I became a social butterfly less than three hours after my parents had dropped me off at that school. Totally reinvented myself. Wow. Totally reinvented. The person that you see now is all because of that one week, preview week. That's where the wands was born and became a thing. Seriously. Seriously. Welcome to Tomversations. That's T H O M Versations, where the H makes all the difference. A podcast of stories, experiences, and knowledge, conversations with interesting people. I'm Tom Cocaine, your host. How the H are you? Today, you get to hear from Wands. You probably know him best as the guy who sings the hook to the song Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. I'm going to pop some tags. That part there. He has a lot of stories to tell you, and this is the first of a two-parter, and I've never done a two-parter. And so this, you'll basically get the life story of Michael Wansley, Wands, his first memory to how he became Wands and just after his first gig in college. And then in part two, you'll get to his life after college and the life-changing events of Thrift Shop and then afterwards. So that's... Uh, it's, it's really, he's really fun to talk to. We had a great conversation. So, uh, we want to stick around, but you know, I really want to know how, how are you doing really? You know, isn't it just weird living in a pandemic world? It's disconcerting, but at sometimes it is, seems almost normal. You get acclimated to this different way of living than it was a year ago now. Sometimes, you know, when I'm at home, I'm like making dinner, cleaning house, doing whatever. It all seems normal. Really, nothing has changed. But then if I ever want to go out, like I go to work or whatever, I got to make sure I have the mask on. I make sure I socially distance. You know, it seems weird to talk to somebody not six feet away. It's who's closer to you in six feet. It's like, I got to back up a little bit. At least that's the way I'm going about it. And, uh, you know, I, when was the last time you went out to eat, have a sit down meal? Maybe it's different where you are, but where I am, you know, I'm not doing it. You can do it. You can do it, but you know, you have to live within your comfort zone. And right now mine is, I don't go out to eat. Now I've gone, gotten takeout plenty of times and that's all fine. But, um, and I really want to support local business and local restaurants I love these local restaurants. Some of them are very good. We have some great local restaurants. But, you know, welcome to pandemic world. And the crazy thing with, with the coronavirus is that you can have it, not even know you have it, and pass it on to others. And you may, you may, you, you may have no effects. You may feel no effects of it. And portray no effects of it. But you may have it. And it's affecting your body. This is the, these are the findings that now, at least, um, what is today? Today is February 8th and I'm recording this. So, you know, <laughs> crazy world we live in, but you know, it has taken me a while to get into doing another conversations again, because I really enjoy talking to people in the same room, sitting across from them and having a discussion. There's something that I, I say about breathing the same air. Well, we all know you can't really do that anymore, right? Don't really want to be breathing the same air as somebody else. 
uh, who you who we don't really know that well, who's outside of your uh, what do they call it your pod, <laughs> your pod or whatever. But I'm really thankful for Zoom, and been doing you know Zoom, Zoom this, Zoom that, Zoom this, or sometimes it's. Uh, um, I'll do, uh, what is that? Uh, I'll the Facebook, Facebook or, you know, whatever, some kind of a live thing so you can see and hear each other. And that's really good. That's positive. And so today, like, uh, with my, my conversation with Wands, we did it over zoom and, and I'm not, I have to say, I'm not really all that happy with the sound quality, but it's okay. I think the stories are good. I think the conversation is great. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So let me stop blathering along here. And here is Wands. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me. I really do appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> the way you say, like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just something I do. Well, it is. It's a, it's just a conversation. It is. It totally is. It's funny during all the during all the thrift shop thing. It's like I I heard all the time. God, this was such. This is like the best interview. And I go, why do you say that? <laughs> I mean, after like two or three, I'm like. Why do you say that? Well, usually it's like you have to like ask these two or three questions just to get one answer because it's hard to pull the answer out of the artist. And I'm like, oh, that's just stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> just give them, just give them the answer. Right. <laughs> Jesus. So, dude, I I just you know when I talk to someone, I just kind of you know I just go through the internet and try to find all kinds of interesting stuff about them mm-hmm. and. Uh, you've got this interesting life, I think, where you go, you have this connection between seeing and um, computing, mm-hmm. which, I, but it, you wouldn't really think that you would get to where you are today because of your love of singing. Like you just don't like, if you just think about it, it's a really interesting and odd connection where well, is it? I think is, so. Is it really that odd considering that um music is based on math anyway because of the frequencies it's basically an equation every note every note that you hear is 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 an equation right so it's not that big of a stretch and the thing that really prepped me for tech was growing up my father had a tv sales and service business what so was he not only he not only sold them he fixed them what was the name of that show? Did shop? Do you know? Remember? Billikens TV service. Billikens? Yeah. How could I forget? I spent like from 13 to 16 almost every Saturday at that place. Almost every single Saturday. What'd you do there? Answered the phone, sold TVs, arranged service calls ordered parts went on service calls remember those uh, remember those antennas that were like strapped to the chimney oh yeah yeah the big aerials right yeah sure yeah i know how to do that (laughs) i know how to do that and take it out of the box without breaking it and putting it together without breaking (laughs) it and attaching the flat wire to it and doing those those ribbons of, of metal without cutting the crap out of my fingers and oh yeah i did all that stuff and that just came from your dad's shop. That just came from my dad's shop. He, I think he, you know, in his, you know, because it, it was my dad, you know, he wanted me to take over the business and mm. I couldn't wait. To, they had, they, my mom and dad had me under a thumb for so long. It made my high school experience during the day um, 
it wasn't enjoyable for me. Let's put it that way. Why? So that's that's why I chose Ellensburg because I figured a mountain range between Lakewood, where I grew up, and Ellensburg, they wouldn't come bother me. And sure enough, <laughs> other than other than, including the time that they dropped me off, three times. Wow. Yeah, because I, I lived in I grew up in Yakima, mm -hmm. and so you know it's only a half an hour difference but i think uh yeah maybe a handful of times that my folks came to see me or my brothers and sisters and i'm the youngest of seven so mm -hmm. you know just that that just ellensburg itself seems so remote but it's a connection to everywhere well yeah you know the interchange the blue grouse <laughs> you know, you know, it, it, you know <laughs> perkins, oh, perkins and that perkins and, a, and, and that truck stop next to it i dated i dated a girl who used to work at that at that truck stop before, right before I left Ellensburg. Yeah. So yeah, I you know I go in if I go in the West Interchange, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when there was no casino there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh wow, Dairy Queen is still there, really? <laughs> right, Frazzini's Pizza. Oh yeah, John Frazzini, he was awesome. Yeah, what a character. Yeah. Yeah, he started that. Uh, that uh oh uh, i know <laughs> i was there before it was built i know yeah what's that called the 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 goose or something like that no um i forgot what it they changed the name so i i, and I never went in there so who yeah. knows that uh that casino out there yeah he passed away before i ever had a chance to like visit it when he was there so uh mm -hmm. yeah he's a character actually he uh he sold me my first keg of beer i ever bought nice so there's a john frazzini connection yep <laughs> oh, okay so so we're talking about like this connection of music you say it's like because it's all numbers and stuff but i think it's like uh, you were talking i was listening to a, a conversation you had once mm -hmm. and you said that it really began when you learned how to do computing because you were trying to work with midi yeah but my my connection you know but the background of the tv shop uh-huh gave me that how does this work mm. mentality mm. right so that combined with you know growing up in an era where you know you didn't buy new stuff you fixed it <laughs> bicycles right. skateboards you built things you fixed it <laughs> you yeah. made it work right yeah so um in the 90s or coming near the end of the 90s, I had been driving a delivery van delivering hair care products to hair salons between Everett and Tacoma. Say that uh, again, in the 90s? In the 90s. So what, what kind of, I mean, were you working for a warehouse or? I was working for a distributor. So if, oh, you, distributor. if you're ever in a store and you go in the hair care aisle and you see a can that says Sebastian on it. Okay. I used to work for Sebastian. Oh, okay. And I before, before. Before FedEx and UPS started really taking over, mm -hmm. it was easier for us to deliver straight to the people, straight to our customers. But you know, the the reason that all changed is uh, the cost of delivery was easier for these big organizations to do. So in-house delivery kind of disappeared. Yeah, but for ten years, from ninety to two thousand, I was on the road, baby, five days a week. Man, ten years doing that. Yeah. 10 years doing that. And also I worked one night a week as a bar back at, at the Latona pub 
at 65th and Latona Northeast in Seattle. Nice. Huh. I've never been there. One night a week for 10 years. It's wow. crazy. It's insane. So, but coming to the end of the 90s, the, the relationship I was in, uh, the girl had two kids and we had a third in 93. So by 96, 98, things were just expensive and I couldn't make ends meet. Yeah. And right around 98, um, a friend of mine started dinking around with 486 machines, 386, 486. And he's the that's, one. That that's the beginning me. of computing, really. Those right. are really those. That's when you can really afford. They, when computers started to become affordable, when well, that machine, depends on who we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, that, seriously, that's when they started to be seen more in homes. Was a three eighty six, four eighty six era. I was balling on a budget, bro. It's like, oh, you can buy a seventy dollar monitor. No, I can't. No. I can't afford a thirty dollar monitor. Yeah. I was, I was pumped because I had three kids, and and you know we're trying to you know feeding kids and insurance and yeah <laughs> i was doing that family thing right, right but anyway um a good friend of mine let me know that you know that you can re- you could it's hard called hard disk recording and i'm like uh-huh. <laughs> and then i found out about a program called cakewalk uh-huh. and i needed a machine he had a he had a an old machine he gave me an old 486 it had like a, I don't know. Pentium 1, Pentium 2 processor. That's like Not a, even that. It yeah. was more like, I'm trying to think of how big the hard drive was. Because it was oh, yeah. minuscule. It was like 500 megs. If, yeah, if that. If that. It was tiny. But, mm-hmm. but I could, you know, use the internal microphone, speak into it, and record it. I could connect a keyboard to it via MIDI and an interface. And I could record, right? So that's how that started. And then uh, I wanted to, because I could, because I had to figure all this stuff out, because back then it was Windows 95, not the most stable thing in the world. And it NT, always, if you, it, yeah. uh, dude, that, well, that's server. That's a whole different animal. But for, <laughs> for, for us normal people, just doing Windows 95, drivers never worked. Well, how do I know about drivers? Because all of a sudden, I'd go in, I'd leave on a Tuesday night, come back in on a Wednesday afternoon, hit a key, nothing worked. I had to learn how to go into device manager. I had to learn what all these codes meant. I had to learn all, trying to figure out how does it work? Yeah. See? And that's the thing that, you know, after uh, after about three months of doing that, I, I asked my same friend, you know, it's like, I want to get to know, because I could see where everything was going. So it seems like that's where I needed to go because you could make money, you know, right then it was like they were starting, just starting to talk about how much money people at Microsoft were making. Oh, yeah. It was just starting to become known. Hand over fist. Yeah. Right. And uh, so I start, I, I applied and got a job on the floor selling computers for an outfit called CompuCare. CompuCare. Yes. CompuCare, they made all the, they manufactured, they, they manufactured, they got wholesale parts, manufactured their own computer, computers and sold the systems like you could go in and buy a stereo. Right. 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 So that's where I really learned how things were put together and, and, you know, started really dinking around with all sorts of, you know, learning how to build and all this other stuff. One of the guys there got a gig 
testing at Microsoft, and he was on the uh, one of the sound teams. They needed they needed somebody to test MIDI. I'm a musician. Boom. And so, Michael Wansley. Yeah, March of March of March of 2000, I started working at Microsoft, and I did. I tried to get hired on full time, but never, that never happened. I don't have a programmer's mentality. Mm. But I worked there until 2010. That's a good contract, long time. contract after contract, and it was rough, man. 365 days, and then you had to take 90 days off. Or no, you had to take 100 days off before you could work another contract at Microsoft. But because you were a mo- you had worked a, a contract at Microsoft, hmm. not very many people would hire you. Because they knew that you'd work there for like a month, month or two, you'd get a contract at Microsoft, you'd be gone. Oh. So I learned all the, I learned all, I had a deep and meaningful relationship with the unemployment system <laughs> in the 2000s, my friend. Because I saw them once a year hmm. for 10 years. Finally got a gig at a, at, a, at a company, a medical software company, testing uh, downtown. No more going to the east side from shoreline. Oh my god! (laughs) No more bus. No more busing. And uh, so you went from so you went from living on the west side to the east side of of no, 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 no. I never lived on the east side. Oh, I mean, no, no, no. no, I'm not saying you lived, but you you lived on the west side of Seattle. Yes. And that, but you but your job was on the east side of Seattle. Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's. I was north of Seattle. I was up past Northgate. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it's like. Do I go up and over the lake or do I go downtown and then over the lake? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, ah, three hours commute time. Seriously? Three hours both ways. It'd take an hour. It was an hour and a half for me to get there and an hour and a half to get home. That's the average. And that's the average. And taking buses. Yes. Hopefully one doesn't break down. Yes. <laughs> or, yes. or whatever. It was worse. It seemed worse when I was driving, and it's like God. I worked. I worked out there for three or four years before I got the bright idea. That's like, you mean I could take the bus and just <laughs> sit there? Yeah. Really? It's like it's like I've said for years. I'm intelligent. I'm just not always that smart. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Damn humans. Yeah. Right. Dang it. So that's how that got started. That's how the whole tech thing got started. And then you get into, uh, and then you get into um, uh, testing software. And we're going to get to. I want to talk about your your whole singing career and stuff. But I, this because I I used to be a computer network um, administrator for uh, Ellensburg Telephone actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, and now I do. And then I got into radio as my my uh, my career really. But um, so so I'm interested in the tech part. But you get into testing, and yeah. so this. Um, so I'm getting this, there's this nice through line of you going from like being a kid and testing, learning how to use, to fix TVs back when you could, you know, take out the, the, the CRT there, cathode ray tube, pull that out and put in a new one. And, <laughs> Nobody knows what that's called. Yeah. People, I mean, they don't know the struggle. It's like, why don't I fix TVs? Well, one day I was at the shop and I was thinking I knew some stuff. I mean, it was my dad's business. I got started, you know, taking those little vacuum tubes and test them. 
Oh, yeah. That's how I got started in all of that, right? Yeah, it doesn't work. Well, the, the, the picture just keeps rolling over like this. Oh, well, that seems, that looks like that's something going on with your vertical control. <laughs> Go to the back of the TV, find that, stick a little pin in there and turn it, fix it. I was God, <laughs> you know? But uh, I was I was at the shop one day and with my dad and he was working on a he was working on a on a television and I made the mistake of grabbing the yoke on the end of that CRT. Oh geez. Yeah, that's kind of got some. It's got a little kick to it. <laughs> Bam! Across the room a little bit. <laughs> so that kind of that 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 there ended my love affair with trying to get into fixing, actually constructing electronics. Mm. That and just like you know all those little capacitors and that's all math and i was never very good at math which is ironic because i sing and music is based on math it's so weird yeah but uh and then so and then you get in because uh it's like you start with this this kind mm -hmm. of like this uh testing and now that's what that's your main gig right is mm -hmm. testing so so what is it what is a you're a software tester can you can you explain what it is that you what you do yeah technically i am a software test engineer i am uh, a 20 year experienced black box tester with light automation skills um and very meager coding skills meaning that you know i can press a button press a button and then it doesn't work and i can tell you i have to go through and i can you know if it's on your computer and it doesn't work i can find out why it doesn't work i can't fix it to make it work but i'm just a tester so the tester finds they verify defects or they make defects by trying to break stuff that is supposed to be unbreakable like windows nt and when there's a problem you send it to a developer who actually dives into the code recodes everything so that that defect doesn't happen anymore then it comes back to me and then i test it to make sure that their code works and then everything that has the you know as many dependencies as i can think of to make sure that their code doesn't break stuff around it i mean that's what i do now for tableau i've been at tableau for five and a half years and what is Tableau? Tableau is a it's a data visualization software. So what it does is if you have, say you have an Excel spreadsheet and you're looking at lines and call, you know, rows and columns all the way across your monitor. Well, Tableau would, would be able to open up that file and put it into basically an access situation and you could drag different components from a menu, right? To get a graphical representation of what all those numbers mean. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So here's 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 what's gonna blow your mind. Oh, since, okay. since we're we're a year into COVID, right? Yeah. So you wow. see all those little nice little things that they show you on the news that shows you the line and all this other stuff. Okay, like a graph that says this yeah. many people have it and yeah. this and the like okay, mm -hmm, sure. That's Tableau. Oh, there are other, there are other, you know, but basically that's what Tableau does. And Tableau has been at it. They're like the number two, number three in the industry and have been for years. So they, uh, so basically they take numbers and give you a visual representation of that data. That data visualization. So there's all sorts of data. Yeah. There's data in databases, flat files, CSV, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> 
So that's the, so that's what you're doing now. And, and you've been doing that. So like you said, for 20 years. Yep. Wow. That's a, and, and, uh, and you'll be 60 this year, right? Yep. Wow, man. That's a great career. That's yep. a good, that's good. I'm lucky. Yeah. And the only reason I say that knock on wood, because like I said, I'm a black box tester over the last 10 years. Okay, well, stop right there. I don't really know what a black box tester is. So a black is. box tester is basically, hmm, I happen to have a box. Okay. So if this box were black and it actually, you know, if stuff came in this side and then stuff came out of this side, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. Black box testers verify what goes in and what comes out. Okay. Perfect example would be Notepad. Okay, right. You know so, Notepad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Open up Notepad. You type some stuff in it. You save the file. When you go back to it, all the stuff is there that you saved, right? Yes. So, what would happen if you opened up a file in Notepad, some stuff in it, saved it, closed it, came back, opened it, and all the stuff that you'd put into it was gone? Where's my stuff? Or where you know you you try to rearrange something with the mouse, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's extra text or there's disappearing. Those are bugs, right? When mm -hmm. stuff doesn't work right in the computer world, it's called bugs, and that's what test engineers test engineers figure out ways to manipulate the system in order to find deficiencies in the system. That's why when you move from that's why it was such a big deal when you went from Windows 95 to Windows 98, and Windows 98 was just the best thing since sliced bread, right? <laughs> yeah. And then from different. 98, you went to Vista, which sucked balls. Yeah. And then from Vista, you went to XP. Which is a really good operating system. Oh, well, that's the one that I worked on a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's me too. That's what I worked on. I was... Uh xp guy that's yeah that's yeah it. i was on the imaging team for that so when the xp was coming out and um digital cameras were pretty much new technology right right oh my god yeah it used to be able used to put in a uh a three and a half inch floppy into those the, the first uh i'm a little after things. that cds were new so i mean well, i worked on the imaging team for two years for two dips two straight contracts it was awesome was the best ever. But the first year that I was there, I worked on the team that, you know, you, you would plug your, you would have a cord that plugged, connected to your computer and to your camera. You turn the camera on and this wizard would come up and walk you through taking your pictures off and putting them on your computer. Right. Those were, and that was huge. That was yeah. a huge thing. Those The wizards. one in Windows, I'm I was responsible for making sure that went from start to finish. I also made sure that all the things that were on the on the camera got into the computer. I also made sure that you could delete things from the from the computer. I also made sure that um, when Windows ninety eight or when XP shipped, there were a hundred and fifty different inbox drivers to you know for a hundred and fifty different components. Oh, oh yeah, right. right. That was so that, was, that was big too when you didn't have to have the driver. Uh, you had, had the driver, driver in it, like uh, yeah. just like plug it in, and the way it works, like yeah, how are you doing that. 
that was that was big and anymore it's like you just plug it in and hopefully it works you don't have to do anything yeah well you know people don't understand you know it's like oh i just want to put my earbuds in and then i turn on my phone and i can hear it well there's a reason for that (laughs) there's things called protocols and stacks and what there's a lot of ones and zeros that make that happen but it's all ones and zeros and that's it and that's the thing that's fascinating right even what we're doing right now i remember when voice over ip was like huge it was like it was going to be the next big thing voice over ip that did because i worked in the uh i was um i worked at ellensburg telephone mm-hmm. in the uh yeah, from 2001 to 2006 and when i got there they were going through some huge issues because remember i used to have to buy a card to get uh um long distance that's so that long distance card people were using computers to bypass the local telcos because the way it worked was like you send a call long distance it's because it costs so much because each telco along the way would take a piece of the pie so if you go it costs you a dollar ten it cost you you know dollars a minute to call from here to let's say i live in moscow you got to stop right now. You yeah. know why you have to stop right now? Because yeah. the audience that you're going to, there's only going to be a few people who remember <laughs> being on a, at a phone booth, right? right? And hearing that voice go, you must deposit 40 more cents to continue your call. <laughs> right. Right? right. So I used to work with the the people who you, who were uh, used to be operators yeah. at the telephone company. And what they would do, they would listen. They got to know the sound of the different types of coins that you put into the telephone booth so you could make that call yep uh just you know so to where we are today where you can you know you've got this device in your hand where you can talk to anyone on the planet mm-hmm. amazing absolutely so the amazing. Whole thing, this is what this is what technology is technology is right. an ever-flowing river that always goes forward but it makes it only it always goes forward and more times than not, it makes sure that it can go back because not everybody goes forward at the same pace. Yeah. Because I mean, I still got, I still have an iPhone 7, right? And they just came out with 12. Yeah, mine's an 8. So, yeah, so I'm, you, I'm it, with you. I'm because, with you. you know, like I said before, they don't fix things anymore. You have to buy a new one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it make sense to, you know, oh, my screen's cracked. Yeah, that'll be 45. That'll be $120. Well, you'll have to fix it because you can't, you know, well, now you can figure out how to do it yourself because now you can figure out where to get the tools that'll open up your phone. You know, it just takes a while, like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Laser discs. Remember those? (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to see your talk old tech tonight. That's all right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's all a part of it's all when the thing about, everything right you know i started i started singing on a schoolyard my very first memory is singing on a schoolyard in 19 your very first memory ever ever really singing on a schoolyard in in anchorage alaska across the street from the quarters our family was stationed in oh you're dead in the military army mom army fort richardson fort richardson one of the blessings of the thrift shop the the thrift shop experience was I actually got to go back to that very same school. No kidding. And the quarters where we used to live were still there. Wow. They'd been renovated, but they were still there. I got to walk down that same hall and relive that whole experience of the very first thing I can remember. It was amazing. I bet. Uh-huh. Wow. What a connection. 
Yeah, I called it returning to the scene of the crime. <laughs> and because of, you know, and, and what was really cool is I could call my sister. Um, I could call my, I called my sister, told her where I was. And while I was talking to her, I could transfer pictures of what we were looking at. So she was freaking out. Yeah. Cause you know, we, 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 we shared that house together. So it's like, wow. Well, and where is she? Uh, at that time, she was. She was in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. Yeah. So that so okay. So your first memory is singing in, in 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 your third grade. Second. Second grade. Yeah, I'm just like oh, try, I was. I was just trying to go. To, I was just trying to go home. And these kids were. There was a kid who was like, "Yeah, he thinks he can sing." And I, you know, it's taking, not, you know, you think yeah, I'm taking my coat out of the cubby, the whole nine yards, the little fake fur, bear, bear skin coat. Yeah. I had no one way. of those. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well, you got it. I mean, it was Alaska. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. So walking down the hall, the two kids became like five kids. And then by the time we got to the end of the hall, five but, kids. Wait a minute. So wait, so this kid's, so I, I'm trying to imagine this. So, so just are. imagine, you're just imagine your you're, you're, I'm putting on my coat and this yeah. kid is like, yeah, so yeah, Michael thinks he can sing. Michael can't sing. Yeah, he can. No, he can't. Well, I bet he doesn't know this song, and I'd sing a little bit of it. Do you remember the song? No. Oh, no. no. Okay, okay. Just oh, remember Jesus. the experience. <laughs> okay. So that repeated all the way down the hall, out, and onto the schoolyard. So you got these, this throng of kids around you going, Michael, sing this one. Yeah, and it's all like songs from the radio. And I listen to the radio. Yeah. So I'm standing there and there's like 10 kids around me. Wow. Right? I mean, that's, that's a, you've got a crowd, dude. Big, big flakes falling from, it was in October, big flakes falling out of this. I'll never forget this. Big flakes falling out of the sky. And I was facing the school and I had already like gotten three or four songs and I was waiting for the next one. But I heard behind me, I thought I heard my name and I turn around. And this woman is running from across the street in the red and white gingham patterned apron, the big dress. It was my mom. Mm -hmm. She looked out, big, fluffy, the furry pink slippers. It was funny. But she thought she looked outside and saw me out there and thought I was in a fight. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. So when she got up there, she's all half out of breath. Michael, Michael, are you okay? And I just looked up at her and I went, yeah, mom, I'm just singing. And that's the very first thing I can remember. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good memory. Yeah. I think, I mean, and so then, then did you sing more? Did, I mean, this, did this give you enthusiasm to get into choir or to do some singing, get into plays and no. Keep going. <laughs> all of that. All of that? Okay. All of that. Mostly it was choirs. I mean, I, you know, by the time, by the time, so that was uh, 19, that was 67, and my dad got stationed at Fort Lewis in 68. So in that last year, I remember singing for the non-commissioned officers' wives club. That was my mom's deal. Yeah. I remember singing for the Anchorage or the Fort Richardson Kiwanis Club. I remember singing in the choir. Um, where were we? 
Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. No, that was later. That was after I moved here. Yeah. I mean, there's a picture of me uh, that I have somewhere, you know, and it's just me standing like this. And I've got on the nastiest looking outfit and the nastiest color. I mean, a nastier color green than this. When you say nasty, you mean bad nasty? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, people make fun of the styles from the 70s because they forgot what the styles in the 60s were like. (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, it was well known. I was, I slept on the top bunk. My brother, who was 10 years older than me, slept on the bottom bunk. He was in high school and was really into radio broadcasting. Um, public access TV had just started up there. Oh, danger! So he had his own. He had his own American Bandstand type show with kids dancing and stuff. Really? My, sis- my sister was a go-go girl, a go dancer. Long the whole nine yards. Really? How often did he have this going? Like maybe once a month, once a once week. Once a week. Really? Yeah. On on public access. It was sort of like public access. Okay. It was the high school, and the high school had an, a mm. broadcasting program. Oh, right. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back when school trained you how to do things, <laughs> how to fix things. You were required to take wood shop. Yeah. You were required to take, a, you could either take wood shop or auto shop, but you had to take shop. Right. right? Yeah. We had wood shop, auto shop, or, or metal. But yeah. yeah. See, you had to take something because they didn't want you just, they didn't want you sitting on a corner with a sign saying, oh, down on my luck, anything will help. Right. You know, the the one thing, I, I don't know if they still teach it or not, but I, uh, the one thing I wish I would have taken in high school, looking back, is home economics. Just how important that is. Just in, in general, just learning about the economics of running a household in in general. You know, I thought, I thought it was like, and it's always seemed to be like this, it's a woman's thing at the time. You know, when you're in high school, a lot of girls go there, you learn how to bake a pie. That was about the best part of it because they would make the pie and they would not share it. Um because I had a couple of buddies who were in it and I'm like, nah, that's, that's a girl thing. But I wish I would have gone back and taken that. I mean, that's just very valuable information. Like, you yeah, know, that, learning how to well, do things, fix you, things. You should be careful what you divulge in these things. Cause see, my mind goes into strange places. Like, so you're saying that it was a girl thing and you didn't want to meet girls. So you didn't take the class. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not the way though. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Cause that, I, that's the first I, thing I, my I, mind goes. Yeah, I, I'm definitely heteronormative. <laughs> I would have been, it's like, Oh really? Girls do it. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll try it. <laughs> Maybe I won't like it, but boy, I'll have someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, you're smarter than I was in high school. Then uh, I had to be. I had two really strict parents. I had, I, and I grew up watching cop shows and spy shows. Mm. And I mean, they were strict. It was like nothing says, nothing says, nothing reminds me more of prison than elementary school between fourth and sixth grade. And I mm. say that because I could go home. But I couldn't really go anywhere after I got home. Got it, yeah. And I couldn't go for very long because my mom was going to come home. And I usually had a set of instructions to start dinner, and she would finish it when she got home because she was helping my dad out at the shop during the week so he wouldn't have to pay somebody right. to be at the shop. Family business. Totally. So, you know, this whole thing of playing after school and getting into, you know, learning about this and going cruising with older kids. No, (laughs) I didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And that persisted through 
my junior year. Um, no, through my sophomore year. I was under a tight, I was under screws, man. I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I have vivid memories of playing street football with just the kids within three houses of my house. Yeah. And I couldn't go around the block, even though my mom's best friend since 1952, no, 62, she lived around the corner. But I couldn't go down there. I couldn't go around the block and play with her kid, even though we went to the same school. And they were best friends. Weird. That's bad type. Yeah. Yeah. My junior year, something happened in my junior year. Oh, yeah. My dad came home loaded one night. That's the only memory that I ever have of him, like, being totally loaded. And we kind of got into it, and I ran away from home. Now, other than other than something like church camp or... Uh, my parents going out of town on vacation and then me spending, you know, sleeping at a, a, a family friend's house. Other than that, I'd never had the experience of spending the night at someone else's house. Wow. Right. These are part of the reasons why Ellensburg became very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you think about it, it's like, God damn, that's funnier than hell. Yeah. Ellensburg is so not that attractive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and at the time too, there's a the uh, process meat processing plant there, so mm-hmm. it really there's a stench to the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the is that the east end of town? Yeah, nope. uh, south end of town. South end of town. South end of town. Yeah, Jockeys. Well, yeah, right there you go. There's a name. Yeah, yeah. Before and, they yeah. The golf, they, you, you probably remember when uh, before golf became a thing, and that field across the street from it was just. Oh wasted territory yeah but you had to go you had to hold your breath <laughs> so you could turn down the road and go to people's pond right people's pond exactly yes. that's still a thing yes it is yeah i it, remember it, before they actually had a real bridge geez the real bridge yeah back in the day when there was nothing there but there was a concrete slab in there and if you didn't have the right height on your car you were oh yes right yeah right if the weather if you know if there was a lot of runoff coming down you were screwed mm-hmm. <laughs> wow dude yeah man so okay so now you're, you're, <laughs> you're in ellensburg you're going to school did you go for, for a specific reason or just to get out of the house i went to ellensburg because they kept I went to Central because they kept sending me stuff. They wanted me to be there. I got stuff from, you know, when I finally, you know, was uh, starting to look at colleges. You know, I don't know how I got on their mailing list, but they they kept sending me stuff. So when it came time to, like, go visit colleges, I wasn't going to go to Western because that was right up the freeway. Yeah. And I had been going to uh, a music camp for three summers at that point. And it was at PLU. Oh, Jesus. PLU is like 15 minutes from my dad's TV shop. That was 20 minutes from our house. That's way too close. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And then no one else really had a music program that looked interesting. Yeah. And Central Central's is uh, very good. Man, it's known. And I had no idea. None. The biggest attraction to me was it took an hour and a half. Well, it took almost two hours to get there. And there was a mountain range in between. So that meant I would be away from Tacoma, which I like totally didn't want to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would be away from Lakewood and 
Clover Park School District, Lakes High School, Man Junior High, Lake Louise Elementary School, and all the social underpinnings that came with that, which is too long for this broadcast. <laughs> but uh, I escaped all of that. Um, yeah. The funny, here's the funny, here's the thing that convinced me to go to Central. So you were, you were invited over to actually tour the campus and they put you up for one night and then you can leave the next day. So my best friend and I drove over and it was snowing. It's in April and it was snowing and we just kind of went, you know, okay, there's the school. Where does this go? We wrote, we ended up at Ellensburg high school and we were high schoolers. We're seniors, right? Yeah. High school. Wow. Wonder what their high school is like. Let's go find out. Sure. <laughs> so my best friend was, we were the same height, like five, eight, five, nine. He was Hawaiian, dark skin. And me, of course, dark skin mm. in Ellensburg, Washington. Now, those of you who, those of you who go, so <laughs> let me explain something to you. In the spring of 1979, there were, I guarantee you, less than 10 black people within 50 square miles of that town. Which is why we got some pretty funny looks walking down the hall. Because we went into school back when you could just walk into school. We just walked in and was like walking around, looking in the classroom. People are like looking at us and looking at us. And all of a sudden from behind us, can I help you boys? <laughs> Turn around. No, I actually just came over to look at the, you know, so he escorted us out. And that was like, that was the funny thing that happened when I went over to visit. Yeah. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. I said, I have to come here. There's no black people here. <laughs> <laughs> what a reason. Yep. And then when I got there, they brought us in, you know, for freshmen, there used to be a thing where you show up a week before the, the upperclassmen get there. Mm-hmm. They called it preview week, preview week, 1300, 17, 18, 19 year olds. Oh my God. <laughs> well, me being freshly freed from what I, you know, from living with my parents, I, they hadn't been gone three hours before I had organized a, a dance and it went so well, I organized a dance on another part of campus the next night. Skipped the night, and then the night after that, had another part of campus do a dance that night. And by the end of by Friday, at the end of that week, I mean, the daytime, they were showing us around the campus, explaining what college was going to be like. Here's a library. Here's how you check out a book. Here's how you do this. And this is where science is. And this here's is where Bardo science. Hall. Huh? Here's Bardo Hall. No, I wasn't at Bardo. I was at Almonte. Okay, but I'm saying that, but Bardo Hall was known as in that time to be a party hall. Well, yeah, but I didn't know that yet. Okay, this was well, just preview week. Okay, right, right, right. Okay. But the, my my thing, I became the social, I became a social butterfly less than three hours after my parents had dropped me off at that school. Totally reinvented myself. Wow. Totally reinvented the person that you see now is all because of that one week, preview week. That's where the wands was born and became a thing. Seriously. Seriously. Before that, 
My big brother was the Wands. He used to be stationed on the USS America and did radio for for um, Armed Forces Radio. So the I mean, Wands you know, was born in preview week of, at Central Washington University in 19, what would you say, 80? 79. 79. Hmm? Second week of September, 1979. Never forget it. Wow. And yeah, then, and then you go to school there, huh? And so you, but uh, so you stayed there. When did you did? When did you almost graduate? I guess is what I'm. So yeah. that leads us back to the, the 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 other. That leads us back to the whole story with my degree. Okay. Um, yeah. So I went to Central for seven years, and five of those was the music education program. And it was at the end of my fourth year that I decided I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to go through um, a certain teacher's classes that I had to have. They were a requirement if I wanted to student teach because I went to Central to be, I found out I wanted to be a music teacher Wow! because my junior high and high school teachers inspired me to, that's what I wanted to do. And that's a I, massive degree too. That's like 130 some credits, 150 credits. It's massive. Yeah, it's huge. It's 130 credits. And, you know, to give some the people who don't know, here's the perspective. You had to have 130 credits minimum to graduate with a BA in education, in music education. To graduate with a BA in uh, accounting, you had to have 90 credits. Yeah, I think mine's in communication. I think it was uh, upper 70s, 80s, something like that. So, yeah, it's like it's nearly double and the people are like going but wait that doesn't seem fair why is that and, well and yeah. one more thing about that too is that the, those music classes you're I'm there five days a week but they're two credits i'm about to say it. That, yeah. that's why Sorry. inequality I, that away. <laughs> my life is riddled with it you'd have <laughs> you have your you'd have your econ majors they would have three classes for 15 credits they'd go to they'd go to class nine o'clock ten o'clock and eleven o'clock and then they were done for the day yeah right? Yeah. That was a quarter. They only had three classes. The whole quarter. <laughs> For me to get 15 credits, I not only had to take at least one five credit class, which was like a core class that they had to take. Sure, like I math, had to take, right? Yeah, something like that, right? Then I had the, the 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 requirement was for me to take a music class. The highest credited class was a three credit class, even though it meant five days a week. And then I had one, two, three, four, four other classes that were all one credit. Oh my god! Then I had to find something else because you know if you do the math, that's four plus three is seven plus five is twelve. Right, but to get to fifteen credits, I had to have had to have, well, see, I you had to have 12 credits in order to still be uh, eligible for financial aid. But 15 credits was a, quote, unquote, a average class load. And then, and then if you want to graduate anywhere near close to on time. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, that was the nature of being a musician because all those performance classes, all those instruction classes, you know, music educators, it's not that, you know, even though they're a choir teacher, they still had to learn how to teach oboe. They still had to learn how to teach xylophone. They still had to learn how to teach brass, right? I know this because 
that's what I did. <laughs> and, how, and how to conduct. That's the easy part. Well, I mean, that's uh, there's still there's there's more than just one component to it. I mean, not not only how you have it's to. It's still the easy part. Okay. Okay. Because you know, teachers have to teach, students have to learn, and not all students learn in the same way or at the same time. So conducting is just basically here. We're going to start, and then you're just keeping up with where everybody is, because you've already done the hard work of getting everybody in line so that everybody goes the same direction at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah, people just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Turn on your radio, listen to a song. Wow. That's really great. Yeah. You don't know how many hundreds of people got into that thing. And then the hundreds more who got it where it is so that you could turn on your radio and listen to it yeah. or turn on your Spotify, put it in your playlist or whatever. you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so how many, so you, I'm assuming then is like, it doesn't sound like you were in bands or anything before you were, you got to central. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get to central, this is when you really start to get into uh, creating bands. I assume. The first week of classes, I met a guy named Darren Motamity and we became friends. He was in the jazz band and he's the, uh, that's one of the reasons I got exposed to jazz band one, which is God. like legendary at central Washington university. It, it truly is. But uh, that legendary thing was, I mean, when I got there was starting to be the tail end of it. And I didn't, I didn't know that, but going on Darren tenor saxophone player learned, taught himself, you know, tenor woodwinds player. Let's put it that way. Cause when you're a, when you're a woodwinds player, clarinet, saxophone there's three different types of saxophones but they all pretty much work on the same key structure and there's just little differences subtle differences so basically if you can play clarinet you can play clarinet oboe tenor baritone alto soprano sax there's other woodwinds i just can't remember it's like eight instruments i thought that was fascinating but, yeah. is, it just, Darren, is it just is it maybe the embouchure what what what, what makes them all connected the, the only one that has an embouchure is the oboe oh, okay um let's see there's oboe and bassoon that's the one i was trying yeah. to get those two are different because because of the embouchure yeah the reed on a on an oboe is really crazy too yeah well it's you know that whole grass thing that we used to do as kids you know put the grass put the put the blade of grass in your thumbs and go Phew! yeah physics again math ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so darren and i had a we had similar music tastes so we got hooked on conversations about earth wind and fire and the commodores and the barques and the jazz band so he introduced me to his roommate they lived off campus um about four blocks off campus and he introduced me to his roommate jeff slack who was from central district in seattle and we all loved the same music and pretty much i mean before before halloween the concept of putting a band together had already happened we had found other people so before thanksgiving of before thanksgiving break of my first year at central central connection was the band and we were we were we we nice. we were no we played our first gig at the pit in the student union building in the winter quarter of 1980 nice 
And so just to, and so the, the and this is the quarter system. So you started like what uh, mid late September. So you're talking like September, third week of September, third week. Yeah. So like maybe the 21st or something like that. So in just a couple of months. Yeah. Third week of September goes to and went to the third week of December was the end of finals week or second week. Yeah, second I think week of, yeah. Second week of December was finals week and every and at the end of finals week, you went home for Christmas. Come back, come back the Wednesday, start classes the Wednesday after New Year's and go until April. And then right. come back Easter, come back after Easter and go until June. Some, yeah, like June. Quarter system, which I think is way better than the semester stamp. I think I, the semester system sucks. I I agree. I you, can, you, you can also experiment a lot more in the quarter system. You have more time to to, to dabble. Yeah, that's, that's one way of looking at it. And I agree with it. It's just, it, it, you, you, it, I think from an educational standpoint, being that I was trained to be an educator, I think it's much better to be focused for a shorter period of time and then have more variety in a school year rather than less variety. And you have all these time on both sides of basically January to just meander everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just never got into the concept. What came back to Christmas? You come come back from Christmas vacation, and you're you're taking the same classes until when? <laughs> I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And then you not only that, but like uh, uh, summer break starts in June. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, like in the, in the semester system, it starts in April. Oh no, it starts at the end of May. So that's and then you're coming back. They come back late August. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you get to, you finally get your first band and, and um, you're in college, you get your first band. How long did that first band last? Uh, that first band lasted about a year, a little over a year. So our first gig was in the pit at, uh, at the student union building. And we played um, another show. I think we just played it. I think we played upstairs at the sub at the student union building. Yeah, there's all bigger, but we didn't get, you know, we didn't get, but the thing is, is that that show got us a gig playing at Bardo hall. Bardo hall uh, was at the center of the campus. It was the party hall. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, you couldn't really go too many places where students live without going by bardo everything kind of went through bardo so we played there this is like the gig of a lifetime another one of those unforgettable experiences Mm -hmm. we played at bardo hall on may 17th 1980 and you ask how come you know exactly which date that was (laughs) well not only was it a campus-wide dance that was so packed, they, 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 I mean, luckily the fire marshal didn't show up. There were so many people there. It was so packed. It was so packed. I couldn't believe it. Three and sets. What, and what type, what type of music are you playing? Is it funk? funk and soul. Three nice. sets of funk and soul music. Nice. And I mean, it was nuts. 
Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. Just the two of us. It was great. Earth, Wind, and Fire, and, and Commodores, and LTD, and Barcades, and Cameo. Yeah, we had it all. Dude, great groups. Those are some great groups to go by for right. sure. Oh, on. Awesome. So we got done with that gig. So, so are, you, are you playing an instrument or are you singing? No, I'm just fronting the band. Okay. I'm just, I'm the lead singer. I'm fronting the band. Nice. And jumping around like a fool because that's what entertainers do. Yeah. And uh, we got done at about 1230. And we got done with our last encore at about 10 to 1. And then hung out until like 1.15 and didn't even really start tearing down until about 1.30. We had all this borrowed equipment. Some of it was borrowed from the music department. So by the time we got everything back to where it was borrowed from, it was about 4.30 in the morning. Because back in the day, you had to construct your own sound system and then figure out how to patch it together figure out how to do it and then set it in one place so that you could go on stage and play. There were no such thing as sound men. And, you know, no, 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 no. We did everything ourselves. So we got done and it was like 4.30 in the morning by the time we got everything back into the old music building. And we were in the parking lot and it, the sky was just starting to lighten a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the birds had just started chirping. And we still couldn't believe how cool saturday night was and here we are at sunday morning and you know going home so i go home i was living uh in um sue lombard hall which faces the main drag by the college eighth avenue and i went to sleep and i always slept with the radio on for some reason and i remember being asleep and i remember hearing the window rattle and it woke me up Oh, that's interesting. Pull down shades. It's like I tilted the shade back and it looked like the sun was reflecting off of the buildings across the street, but it was like kind of dark, like a, like a big thunderstorm or something. No big deal. And then I was rolling over to go back asleep and I noticed, wow, this is a, this is the radio is playing a station out of Yakima that's programmed. They never had people talking on it. Not this much. This wasn't a commercial. There were people talking, talking to each other on the air on this FM station from Yakima. That was unusual. Yeah, whatever. Roll over. And I've rolled over now. And I'm, and then uh, I hear from outside my door and down the hall, we're all going to die. <laughs> And that is where we're going to end it for today. Yeah, what's going on? What is happening? Why would somebody yell that? Well, if you tune in to part two of the story of Wands on Conversations, you'll hear it. So make sure that you subscribe and uh, tell your friends about it. Put it on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you've got. Tweet it. All the good stuff. Send it by email. But uh, thank you for listening to Conversations today. And check out conversations.com. Make sure that you like it and subscribe. That's all I can say for now. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch you here next time for part two. You'll learn what happens after college, 
the thrift shop story, and what he's doing now. Again, that's in part two. But that's going to do it for today. I'm Tom Cocaine, your host. Over and out. Over and out.